Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham. Your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now... Your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's podcast episode following the first two preseason games for the New York Jets of the 2023 season. So we're right there in the thick of the training camp. Two preseason games down, two more to go. All sorts of fun news surrounding this team that seems to get Cooler and cooler every single week. It's been one hell of an offseason. Amazing draft class. Amazing free agent acquisitions. We keep adding them in. A nice training camp so far. And a couple good games under our belt. So a lot of stuff to get into on this one. Um, the agenda is going to be basically talking Jets news and notes, which is going to include the big Dalvin Cook signing. We're going to talk about recent transactions around the team and then discuss those two preseason games against the Browns and the Panthers. Following that, we're going to go over kind of who's trending up and down on offense and defense respectively, go over a projected 53-man roster at this point in time, halfway through the preseason games, and then we've got the fun sections of father time, what's on tap, and all sorts of other good stuff along the way. So should be a really good podcast episode. Thank you for joining me on this one. Um, Yeah, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It's under the Fans First Sports Network. Podcast title is This is the Jet Life. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan. So if you've been listening for a while, if you haven't given a rating or a review, it would mean a lot. Really appreciate that, any platform, wherever you listen to it. So that's about all I got for that. We can get into this darn thing because this team is going crazy. Every single week it's just getting cooler and cooler, and there's so much hype. And I know it feels like the Jets win the offseason every single year, but there have been none like this in the history of the franchise. Nothing compares to what is going on around this organization right now, the people they have in there, the expectations for this team, what's possible. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because there's a lot of letdown on the horizon, right? There's a lot of good teams in the league, and only one team is going to win the Super Bowl. A lot of it's going to come down to some lucky plays, some lucky injuries or health. Every season it does. It's just the smallest hair difference in in one game, a fumble, a bad, who knows what. So to have expectations be the Super Bowl is a little outlandish, but I think to be in the mix of the playoffs and one of those teams that if they're in the tournament, they could win this thing. Absolutely. That's the bar for this team right now. And I think they're going to get there because they had an awesome roster before that was up and coming. They were missing a quarterback. They bring in Aaron Rodgers with him. Some of his favorite veterans looks like they hit on another draft class. And then yesterday we find out that the New York jets are signing Dalvin cook to a one year, $8.6 $8.6 million deal, or at least it's worth up to $8.6 million. I think it's going to baseline at about $7 million he's going to get, and then some incentives and stuff available to get him to $8.6 million. If you're talking about Dalvin Cook, who is coming here to be probably the Jets' number two running back, because we're assuming Brees Hall, who was activated from the pup list today, 
is going to be pretty healthy at least, you know, a quarter of the way into the season. He's going to be back to pretty good Brees Hall-level football. That's going to put Dalvin Cook as your number two running back. Hopefully Michael Carter behind him, rookie Izzy Abanaconda. I mean, that running back room that the Jets are going to need to rely on is going to be so freaking powerful with Dalvin Cook now. I've been saying it for months that it's super important for the Jets to get off to a hot start and to be able to rely on something like the running game to help Aaron Rodgers along in, one, his transition to this team, the team's overall chemistry, but as we're working through some offensive line stuff and some new schemes and and game plans, we need to be able to rely on some people running the football. And if Brees Hall is out and the Jets are doing what they were doing last year with Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight running for three and a half yards per carry, super inefficient, it's going to make it a lot more difficult. But you bring in a guy like Dalvin Cook, who I understand he's 28 years old, He's slightly on the decline, but when you talk about the decline, you're talking about 4.4 yards per carry last year. Not the greatest offensive line in the world in Minnesota. 1,500 scrimmage yards, the sixth most rushing yards in the entire NFL. This is the guy on the decline right now that we're getting to be our backup running back. $8.6 million seems expensive, I guess, for a one-year deal. He's actually the highest paid free agent running back of this entire 2023 But when you put into context that Aaron Rodgers basically gave the Jets a free $35 million to make them better and said, listen, you take this money and just go find some good players, you're not even really operating within a normal salary cap at that point. You have this money that came out of nowhere that you weren't expecting to have, and now the goal is just to get the most talent you can have and help this team try to win. And I think offensive line is definitely the biggest concern around the team right now. But other than that, you were just thinking about, like, all right, what's the health of Brees Hall? And what are we going to have behind him? Is it going to be Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter? And if it is, is it going to be what they were last year? Or are they going to be able to kind of improve on that? So now when you had Dalvin Cook in, you know for sure that your unit is going to be in good hands for the beginning of the season as long as he's currently coming back from a shoulder injury. He had one last year, and it affected him a little bit. He's not able to practice right now. He's also having a child being born in the next week or so. So he's dealing with all that stuff. But when he comes back for week one, I'm expecting him to be ready to handle the load if he needs to or split time. And on top of that, as the season goes on, I mean, running backs don't all make it 17 games. So if Brees Hall misses a few, early, middle, or late, Dalvin Cook misses a few, Michael Carter, anybody, the Jets are able to weather the storm a little bit. This is such an important year. You can't be giving up, and the AFC is so competitive, and the AFC East is so competitive. You can't be giving up games because... Ah, we were missing our running backs for that game. Didn't really have much and had to chalk that one up as a loss. We don't have that luxury. We got to win right now. Dalvin Cook helps us get there. I am so freaking excited about the weapons on this team. It's unbelievable when you look through it. In my wildest dreams, I would never imagine the Jets would have Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback, but they got him. And then on top of that, they bring in guys like Alan Lazard and Dalvin Cook. And they draft an Izzy Abanaconda, and Garrett Wilson is the rookie of the year at wide receiver, breaking rookie wide receiver records for the Jets. Like, what is happening right now? On top of the fact that they're able to retain a Corey Davis, Tyler Conklin, Uzoma, that they drafted a Michael Carter, who I have reasonably high expectations for this year. Brees Hall is absolutely electric. Could have been the offensive rookie of the year if he hadn't gone down. There's so much excitement about this team, and that's talking about the worst half of the football. Because the defense is probably the better side of the team. The defense could potentially be number one defense in the entire NFL. I think top five is the floor. So it's just like, 
we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, like talking about winning games that we haven't won yet. But going into a season, you couldn't really draw a better roster. You can't really imagine how they could even make this work, salary cap-wise. But they did. we got to work through some O-line stuff, but super excited to have Dalvin Cook here. So that's, first and foremost, the most exciting thing going around Jets camp right now. But there's some other news. I mentioned Brees Hall is back off the pup list as of today. So he's going to be practicing. He was doing some individual stuff today, but they're working him back in. He's able to hit like 23 miles straight line, but the biggest thing when you have an ACL or MCL injury is the lateral movement left and right in the cuts. Obviously, Brees Hall is a big-time one-cut running back, similar to Dalvin Cook style. Um, and it's really important that he's able to plant on those legs and change direction really quick. And that's kind of where you don't trust the ACL or MCL 100%. So I think he's just trying to get some confidence back in there. They're trying to work him back slowly so he's not going to injure himself because this is going to be a long season, hopefully, the Jets for the Jets going into January and even hopefully February. So it's important to make the whole thing work. And that's part of why Dalvin Cook is here. We got Hard Knocks and One Jets Drive, both absolutely rocking. Hard Knocks week one was incredible. The second episode comes out tonight, so I'm going to watch that, obviously. I think One Jets Drive is putting out their best production yet also. They finally took the... They used to, like, for all those One Jets Drive shows they did, they always had, like, this really loud, epic score in the background, this really loud hype music that was just like... As, like, through all the talking scenes and just scenes that didn't need any music. And it was like, I'm trying to hear the conversation between you know, Curtis Martin and one of the other Jets coaches or something, not hear this epic music. And I think this year they took that out for the first time for most of the episodes. It's been awesome. They got great cameras. They're honestly right in line with like a Hard Knocks. I think Hard Knocks maybe gets a little bit more access to specific things and tries to be a little bit more um, NFL-focused than Jets-focused, where one Jets drive is obviously an internal thing trying to like help make the team look cool and feel cool. Um, Hard Knocks is a little bit less into that, but obviously their their goal is to make the team look overall good, to paint them in a good light. Otherwise, nobody would want to do the show. But those shows are rocking. A lot of fun to have extra Jets content this year. This Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, etc. experience could last, you know, a year or two. So to have as much content as possible, bring it on. This stuff's going to live forever. We already have some really cool things, videos of Aaron Rodgers doing some awesome, awesome stuff in a Jets uniform or practice uniform. And then in other news, Darrell Rivas and Joe Klecko are officially enshrined in the Hall of Fame. That is awesome. I think it was in One Jets Drive. They visited the, the team, visited the Hall of Fame just to see those two players' enshrinements uh, and their setups and everything. And they had what looked like little action figures of the sack exchange. Mark Gastineau, Joe Klecko, Marty Lyons, and Abdul Salam. And to see that in the Hall of Fame now is awesome because the sack exchange is one of the coolest defensive fronts in NFL history. And it had no, no history in the Hall of Fame. It was just kind of like left from it, and it would be easy to go there and see all these different things in history and just kind of forget that that even existed. But now, with Joe Klecko there and his bust and everything else that they've got, it's uh, it's very cool to remind people of, of some of the cool Jets teams from not only the 80s, but also, you know, Darrell Rebus's time, what we had with Rebus Island, and some of those great teams we had in 2009, 2010. I think a lot of times people remember the bad years, and there's been plenty of them. We've whiffed on a lot of quarterbacks, and I think that that's one of the things people think of when they think about the Jets, but there's been some great stuff, too, and to have two more guys in the hall, it's awesome. A few transactions around the team. The Jets IR'd Chris Streveler, Yadni Kajust, and Hamsa Nasraldine, and basically those guys are not going to be 
playing for anything in the in the near future. They may be out for the entire season. It's kind of a way for the Jets to not play them this year, but not necessarily cut them. They still have rights to them in the future, potentially. And I don't know, those those guys' futures with the Jets are probably at the back end, and uh, it's essentially them being cut, but they're not going to be picked up by another team. They also signed a couple players, linebackers Nick Vigil and Sam Egwavin. They also signed defensive lineman Bruce Hector, who had a nice play in the preseason game against the Panthers. Grant Hermans is back, and then they brought in Jalen Holmes. So overall, a lot, I mean, Dalvin Cook is the big transaction, but overall, vibes are pretty positive around the Jets camp. There have been a few injuries. We got Elijah Vera Tucker day-to-day with like an ankle or foot injury. We got Jeremy Ruckert kind of rehabbing a shoulder injury. We got a couple other guys that are working their way back. Dwayne Brown is still on the pup list. You know, Dalvin Cook hasn't practiced yet. Brees Hall is still not able to do team drills. Um, we're not hearing a lot about like Corey Davis or Alan Lazard, so we're hoping that they're up to speed, but I saw Garrett Wilson's back in practice, practicing in full. Overall, the team is pretty healthy, knock on wood. Even Mekhi Becton's getting what seems to be healthier. So there's a lot of optimism around this team right now as Aaron Rodgers is having up-and-down days in practice. Some days he's hot and making these great throws. Other days he's struggling a little bit, throwing some interceptions. And in reality, as good as this offense is, as great as our weapons are, the defense should be winning some of these days. Aaron Rodgers is incredible, right? We've got some awesome weapons, but our defensive players are so freaking good too, and they're playing against the same team over and over, and they're starting to learn the tendencies and the throws and the playbooks a little bit. They should be able to have good days here and there, and they are. So I wouldn't concern yourself too much if Aaron Rodgers isn't dicing the defense up every single day. I think I'd be more concerned if he was, because then it would be like, listen, I know Aaron Rodgers is good, but Patrick Mahomes is even better. And at least at this point in his career, and we're going to be playing guys like him in our path to hopefully a Super Bowl. So if we can't, you know, have some good success against a guy like Aaron Rodgers in this offense, how are we going to do it against other teams? So important to do that for both sides of the ball. Now, before we go over to kind of those preseason games and talking about what happened in them and, and who's trending up, trending down, I do want to touch base with my dad for this week's father time because we haven't had a father time installment I think since, like, maybe before the draft or right after the draft. He's been busy. I've been obviously doing my kind of summer, I guess, schedule, or, or lack thereof, where I just don't really record podcasts during the summer. But we're back now. We got a father time, and I wanted to hear what my dad had to say about this team because there's so much going on right now that there's a million different ways he could take this thing. And when you have one email to send that will be read, that's it. So what's going to resonate with the This is the Jet Life listeners? This is this week's Father Time written by my dad, David Burnham. And it's called Relax, R-E-L-A-X, probably taken from Aaron Rodgers. Here we go. Jets fans are concerned about our offensive tackle situation, and I'm concerned too. But I'm certain that there is a good solution. Many combinations of players that can play in different positions. How do we best protect old Aaron Rodgers? Who's going to do that? And how are we going to do that? Well, first, Aaron Rodgers is going to do it. With his two-and-a-half-second release time, the ball's going to get out of his hands quickly. This is something that Jets fans aren't used to. We're going to have Garrett Wilson slants and Hardman out of the slot winning matchups quickly. Tight ends finding soft zones. Screen passes galore with running backs that are lightning fast. And Dalvin Cook, too. Like most great modern-day quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers is the short-throw king. 
That's what Drew Brees leaned on, and Brady did it too, because it works. Get rid of the ball, stay on your feet, and have a long career. The wide receiver room is talented, and someone's going to be open, and Rodgers is going to find them. Try this next week against the Buccaneers. Focus on the run game. I saw our offensive line mash on the Panthers Saturday. Seismic shifts. Multi-yards on some plays. Escorting the defense down the field. This is what's going to make the Jets' offense hum. Remember before the Brees Hall injury last season? When he went down, we couldn't run the ball and couldn't win. And we couldn't get the ball out of our quarterback's hands. Yes, the NFL is a passing league, but the New York Jets are going to be running the ball first. Backs looking for daylight, planting the foot, and then all gas. Then, quick yards after catch short passing and screens that are going to yield big yardage. And finally, that perfectly timed throw that Aaron Rodgers can still execute is caught and catches the defense on their heels. The foundation of this offense is going to be, first, the zone run, second, the short, under two and a half second pass, and finally, that big play, in that order. So yes, there is a needed workaround to compensate for the weak spot at the tackle positions, but JD has the workaround covered with the help of Aaron Rodgers, our receiver group, and the O-line that's going to block well for the run. The tackle positions very well might struggle on pass plays. It's not optimal, but relax. It's okay. Go Jets. End scene. So, wow. What a father time by my dad, David Burnham. Welcome back to the podcast. That was awesome. And I completely agree with him because there is a lot of concern right now. And I have it, and I feel it, and I think we all do, about the offensive line and the situation there at the tackle specifically. ABT getting a little banged up. Joe Tipman, if he's going to be able to be that starting center, there's a lot of different pieces kind of at work, and all of them are, like, not ideal for what we'd want for an offensive line protecting our 39-year-old quarterback. But my dad is absolutely right in the scheme is going to help him combat a lot of that. Billy Turner on this team is, like, not good enough, right? And he had a really bad season last year with Russell Wilson, and he's playing in preseason right now. It's like, yeah, he's not good enough. He was still the same tackle that was covering for Aaron Rodgers for, like, three years. It's not like he just got horrible. It's that Aaron Rodgers made those guys better. He made it work. He knows that these guys maybe can't hold the blocks for four or five seconds. And instead of doing what Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco did, which is Joe Flacco would just stand in the pocket and wait for it to collapse around him, Zach Wilson would flush out and scramble around and try to make these plays last four, five, six seconds looking for someone open downfield. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to do that stuff. He's going to pick apart a defense like he's done to the Jets in training camp so far. He's going to find those quick passes, seven yards to the tight end, six yards here, screen pass, let the guys do the job, yards after catch, right? Like my dad's saying. And then when it becomes an opportunity for a one-on-one and our guys get open and get a step on a guy, Aaron Rodgers is going to put the ball in the perfect spot and beat him deep. So my dad kind of reminds us that, yes, we don't want Aaron Rodgers to get hit and know our offensive line is not good enough, but having Aaron Rodgers and this scheme there is basically built to help counter that so we should feel a little bit better about that. This offense should still be able to hum in the way that Aaron Rodgers wants it to. We just, you know, we don't want to get into a lot of third down and 15s because then you know he has to stand in the pocket, and that's the time when the defense kind of pins their ears back and comes after the quarterback. So we don't want a lot of those. How do you do that? Short situations, right? Third and four instead. How do you get there? Run the ball well. Those quick passes. Start with the run. Go to the quick pass. The deep one, dad is a thousand percent right. I love it. I feel much better about it. He kind of helped calm me down because when I heard the news about AVT 
missing practice, and I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, my God, if he misses extended time, like, we already were wondering what the hell we're going to do with tackle, and there's this thought that maybe AVT goes back to tackle because we don't have someone that will play the right side, which, frankly, is ridiculous because Mekhi Becton should be playing the right side. He's afraid to because of his knee. He wants to play left side to get paid more money, whatever it is. Somebody's got to play the right side. Dwayne Brown's never done it. Also ridiculous to play an entire career and then just stay at one position, never cross-train at all whatsoever. Come on. Somebody's got to be flexible here. But I digress. Great father time. Thank you, Dad. Glad to have you back on the podcast. Before we go over to the preseason games, talking Browns and Panthers, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. Talking about the preseason games really fast um, because there's only so much you're going to take away from them. The Browns game, Hall of Fame game, very cool because the Jets had the opportunity to enshrine two of their players in Revis and Klecko. Got to play that additional preseason game where every team in the NFL in 2023 is playing three preseason games, except for the Jets and the Browns, who are playing four. They got that additional game. Takes the place of the usual green and white scrimmage. So in a way, just think of that Browns game as the green and white scrimmage. And the things you take away from that game is just like, it's just another practice, basically, as is that first game. Nothing's really installed. And the Jets didn't play any starters. They played Michael Clemens, who flashed. They played Will McDonald, who looked good. A couple other guys stood out, but the Jets didn't need those players at that point in time. They just had to kind of get some of the some of the young guys, the undrafted guys, some work on the field, get people used to game speed and stuff. Izzy Abanaconda, I think, looked good in that game. A couple flash plays, even though he's smaller and faster than I anticipated. He goes down a little bit quicker, kind of tackles himself sometimes to avoid contact, but he's also got some breakaway speed and some cool shifty moves. Looks for that end zone, so he's going to be an interesting sort of piece and project for the Jets as time goes on because that boomer bust can be so deadly for and against your team. But he was cool in that Browns game. The Jets ended up losing it 16-21. to 21. Not a big deal. It's not about winning and losing. It's always more fun to win, which is why their second game against the Panthers was awesome. It was Bryce Young's NFL debut. He played a couple series. The Jets hit him hard, hit him often. The defensive line playing without Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, Al Woods, Quinnen Williams, all those big-name players. No Michael Clemens. They were able to create so much freaking pressure because they have such a deep unit. They're still playing. They take out five guys, and they still have Quentin Jefferson, Bryce Huff, Jermaine Johnson, Will McDonald. It's like, what the heck? That's our backup unit, essentially. I mean, it's a rotation, so it's really not like a backup so much. But they made life very, very difficult for the Panthers' starting offense. And the Panthers starting defense, honestly. They win the game 27-0 to in a massive, massive shutout where the Panthers were doing nothing on offense and the Jets were getting a decent amount done themselves on offense. Big plays, massive pass rush. And in this game, the Panthers played their starting offense and their starting defense for the beginning of the game. And the Jets' backup unit on defense kind of handled that offense very easily. And then for the offense of the Jets, they played Zach Wilson... And they kind of did like a makeshift starting unit. It didn't have Elijah Vera Tucker, no Garrett Wilson, no Corey Davis. I'm trying to think if Alan Lazard played in there or not. Obviously, no Brees Hall. Dalvin Cook wasn't on the team yet. But it did have like Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern. It did have 
Michael Carter and Nicole Hardman and Tyler Conklin. So it was like a makeshift starting unit against starting Panthers players, and the Jets kind of diced them up there too. Zach Wilson is progressing. He's getting way more comfortable in the pocket. Tim Boyle looks better than he ever has. You know, he doesn't look incredible, but like last time I saw him play football, he looked horrible, and he's beyond that. That's part of the reason that Chris Treveller's not part of the mix anymore. It's going to be, you know, Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, and then maybe some Aaron Rodgers for the remainder of the preseason games. But feeling good about Zach Wilson, feeling great about the entire team performance, winning 27-0. to zero. It is so much better than being the other way around and having to watch film of a game that you weren't able to get anything going on offense, no scores whatsoever, and allowing the other team to put up 27 on you. So really cool to see that from the Jets. That was like the first time you felt like, you know, football is kind of back and cool because they were just humming. And you're like, man, this is going to be potentially one hell of a season. So now kind of just piecing together the game against the Browns, the game against the Panthers, and everything that's happened through training camp so far from the last podcast. I've got a list of players that are trending up trending down on offense and on defense. So I kind of want to go through some of those guys and just talk about who's, you know, catching my eye, catching my ear, what I'm reading, what I'm seeing. And it starts with the offense, who's trending up. Number one for me, Joe Tipman. Joe Tipman had been put on the Jets, like, you know, third string depth chart on the team website. He's a rookie that we all thought was maybe going to be a really big piece of this team for years to come. But he got off to what sounded like a slow start. We see him play against the Browns. He looked really good. We see him play against the Panthers. Again, he looked really good. Played extended time there. And for the first time today, he's playing starting minutes with the uh, starting unit, snapping to Aaron Rodgers in practice, and he's working his way up. And it's exactly what you want to see because Connor McGovern is a steady veteran that we have in place there to play center, which is a super important position. Connor McGovern probably should be the week one and week two starting center because you don't want botched snaps or confusion against Ed Oliver and the Buffalo Bills. But down the road, what you want to see is Tipman become so good that even though he's a rookie and he doesn't quite understand all the nuances of Aaron Rodgers' scheme and the protections and other defenses and stuff like that, he's just so physically good and capable and learning so quick that you have to get him on the field because you say, maybe he doesn't know today, but this guy's going to learn it quickly if we get him out there. He's not a liability. He's an asset. And he's pushing himself into that realm. He's getting there, getting those first-team reps, building some chemistry with Aaron Rodgers in that first-team unit. And even though Connor McGovern probably will be the week one starter, as he should be, Tittman's going to be fighting for that spot and, you know, come out of the bye week, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tittman take that spot and never look back. On top of it, with Tittman alternating between the first and second team with center, he's also playing third-team guard. So he's cross-training to be flexible so that if something happens, you have to push ABT out wide or one of the guards goes down and you're like, oh, shoot, what do we do? He's going to be able to fill in one of those spots potentially as well. That's really important. You don't want to have some Dwayne Brown who's getting paid $12 million and you're thinking to yourself, if only he could play right tackle, things could be so much easier, but he was never cross-trained. At a certain point in his career, it's like, well, I'm 33 years old. I've never played right tackle. I'm not going to play it now. Then at 34, 35, 36, it's the same excuse every year. All of a sudden, the guy's 39, been using that excuse. It's like, well, maybe you should have learned it at some point. It's nice to have Tipman cross-training there. These guys have to be flexible. 
We know AVT is. He's that first young core piece of that offensive line. Now we got another guy able to do it as well. So I love Tippmann. Another offensive position that's trending up right now, to me, is that entire tight end room. Holy smokes, Ron Middleton. What he's putting together with those tight ends is awesome. We haven't even seen Aaron Rodgers yet, who we know is going to feature the tight ends frequently, way more often than the Jets did in the past. But Conklin started, looked good. I think he's going to have a great, great season. Probably the best season of his career. Uzama was really quiet last year. He's going to be that perfect Aaron Rodgers weapon, a veteran who kind of can get in his mind and know what to do, get on the same page with him, and make good things happen. Then you've got that youngster, Jeremy Ruckert, who looks like he's going to be a longtime tight end in the league. And in the preseason game, you get touchdowns from Kenny Yeboah, who had a couple nice plays, Zach Kuntz, who's a seventh-rounder out of Old Dominion and all of a sudden looks like a really good offensive weapon in his own right, and the sixth-string tight end, EJ Jenkins, gets a touchdown in that game as well. So, obviously, EJ Jenkins is not making the team. Kenny Yeboah probably isn't going to make the team either, but if he gets cut, I don't think he's going to have an opportunity to make our practice squad. I think he's going to go elsewhere and play for another team because he's... Got a lot in the tank. Conklin, Uzoma, Rucker. Koontz is like that wild card. What's he, but you have so many options there in that room. And every single one of them I feel good about for different reasons. There's been a lot of years that I've been watching the Jets that they just didn't have a tight end or ignored the position entirely or had one guy and then a blocking tight end. This team is just loaded with tight end talent. Feeling really good about that room. And then trending up, I would say, Izzy Abadaconda. Because you've heard that there's a lack of urgency from him in practice. Robert Sala sounds like, he almost sounds like Izzy is mentally playing like a rookie. Making some mistakes here and there. Some place he's really on, some place he's not. He's got to get more consistent. Things like that that you don't really want to hear about a rookie. But then when you see him in the games against NFL defenses, his breakaway speed and his elusiveness is real. That can't be denied. That's stuff that Eli McGuire didn't have. LaMichael P. Ryan didn't have it. Izzy has this X factor to him that's able to make these breakaway runs. So when you put that on the field, and we've seen in both games against the Browns and against the Panthers, Izzy did something really special. When you start stringing those things together, it becomes way more important to get this guy involved in the game plan one way or another here and there just to see if maybe this is the game that he does it. I mean, I think he's got a place in this team, and I think he may do some, some special things. I don't expect him to get 100 carries this year, but getting 40, maybe 200 yards, and having a couple really nice big touchdown runs, I could absolutely see that, and that's just the start for him because Dalvin Cook's here on a one-year deal. We don't know exactly how Michael Carter or Bam Knight are going to shake out in this whole thing. We're hoping Brees Hall is going to be healthy, but just to have a pipeline of talent at that running back room, super important. I don't think Izzy's going to be involved in the offense early, but I do think that he's going to be a part of this team from what I've seen so far. And talking about defense, some players that I think are trending up, it starts with that defensive line. Because of the way that they handled that Panthers starting offensive line and then their backup offensive line with the Jets backup, that defensive line is out of this world right now. I tweeted today that I remember it was like 2015, the Jets had Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Leonard Williams, and Snacks. Then they had, like, Leger Duzable and TJ Barnes, a couple other players. And we're thinking to ourselves, like, this is the new sack exchange. The Jets are back. Defensive line. Forefront of the team. 
And obviously we saw how that shook out. Leonard Williams is a great player. Sheldon Richardson had an okay career. Wilkerson disappeared. This unit right now is so far beyond where that unit was, both on top-end talent and depth. It's ridiculous. Guys like Quinn and Williams are better than any single player on that entire defensive line. You've also got Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, right? We've got those two veterans in Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods in the middle. Man of the year, Solomon Thomas can put in good minutes. Then you've got the two guys I really want to highlight here, Jermaine Johnson, or three guys, Jermaine Johnson, Will McDonald, and Bryce Huff, who are all playing their asses off in this preseason. Bryce Huff is exactly what we expected. He's a pass rush specialist, and when he gets in the game in preseason that we've seen so far, he's doing exactly what he did last year, big-time pressure rates. Jermaine Johnson is playing out of this world. He's throwing a spin move in there in a preseason game, getting a sack. He's stopping the run, tackles for loss, playing stout, playing tough. And then Will McDonald is flashing this freakish athleticism that we've heard about. Spin move from him, of course. Bend, dip, getting back there, hitting the quarterbacks, getting pressures. Those guys are standing out at such a high level right now, and they're your 7th, 8th, ninth options on the defensive line. The rotation that we have is so real and so absurd that to have them going after a quarterback time and time again, over and over, wearing on an offensive line, with our defensive backs covering the whole time, and C.J. Mosley in the middle calling stuff out, that's why this is going to be a top three defense in the league. I'm just so happy with Jermaine Johnson. Will McDonald is ahead of schedule, and he's going to be fighting for playing time because there's really not that many snaps to go around. You're going to see him playing between 15 and 30% of snaps, I would guess, at least early in the season. People may get injured. He may step up and earn more, or maybe somebody else has earned more. But, like, man, what options, what damage they can do. I think the Jets' record for sacks in the season is, like, 66. I don't see the Jets breaking that record this year, but I see them getting I see them getting 50 or more. And the magic number that my dad always told me is 40 sacks in a season. 50 is a lot. I think the Jets can break 50 sacks this year. I think they can have multiple double-digit sack guys. I think that we feel really good about what we have in that unit. Another guy trending up on defense. I like what I've seen from Jimmy Moreland. Not just the game cap interception against the Panthers. He's the one guy when we're not playing Sauce Gardner, we're not playing DJ Reed or Michael Carter. So we're playing a lot of, like, Craig James, Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, Javelin Guidry, and then Jimmy Moreland. He's the guy that has stood out to me the most. I like what I've seen from Jimmy Moreland from a tackling standpoint, from coverage. He looks like the guy that's the most veteran and equipped to play on Sunday. And when you talk about, like, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed being number one and two, outside cornerback behind them is scary because Bryce Hall's been burned the last times we saw. Brandon Eccles, who knows? Also suspended game one. I'm going to get into Brandon Eccles in a future section. <laughs> um, Javelin Guidry, like five foot eight, plays the slot. I mean, what are your options there outside? So to see Jimmy Moreland stepping up, I've been pleased with that. Another guy trending up on defense, Tony Adams. Tony Adams was a guy that was, you know, moved into a starting role last year when guys went down. And then this year, he's like, you're thinking, like, he's probably going to make the roster, right? But they signed Chuck Clark. They signed Adrian Amos when Chuck Clark goes down. So you're thinking, okay, Tony Adams isn't ready to make the, the leap exactly. But everything we've heard in training camp says that Tony Adams is ahead of schedule and probably possibly going to be the starter on this team 
next to Jordan Whitehead, and it's not going to be Adrian Amos. That Adrian Amos will be kind of a luxury backup piece that we have or a third safety we can put on the field. Sounds like Tony Adams is a really great guy, taking this team by storm, grabbing the defense by the balls, has all this passion and energy and stuff, and is playing out of his mind. And we see that because in games one and two in the preseason, he's not even playing. They don't see him as a guy like a Michael Clemens or Jermaine Johnson that should get out there and get some reps. They see him as like a, this guy's going to be our every down guy. We're bubble wrapping him like the rest of the defense right now. So really great to see from Tony Adams. It's huge to get a guy there because we didn't really have a great option. I didn't think Chuck Clark really fit the role of free safety very well. I thought he was going to be more of a, more of like a hybrid type of role that would just be playing wherever Robert Sala needed him to cover, tackle, get in the box, blitz, see defenses, you know, all that stuff. Um, but we didn't ever really have a guy that I felt comfortable with at free safety, and I think I'm starting to get there with Tony Adams. I just have to see him play a little bit more. And then lastly, trending up on defense, Zaire Barnes. The rookie that the Jets drafted is playing well. I think that he's flying all over the field. He's got some speed. Kind of reminds you like a Quincy Williams play style. And that's the position that I said was one of the biggest question marks in this team going into training camp was you've got C.J. Mosley and you've got Quincy Williams, but who's going to replace Quan In a 4-3 defense, who's going to be that third linebacker? Thompson Nasraldine is on IR. That guy never amounted to anything. As hyped as me and my dad were when we drafted him, just didn't get it done. Jamie and Sherwood does not excite me in the slightest. I know the team talks highly about him, but I just haven't seen it. So you're wondering who's going to step up. And they've got guys like Chad Surratt and Claude and Shirelius that could potentially play a role. But to see a young guy like Zaire Barnes starting, where I think he's ahead of Jamie and Sherwood, Hampson Natural in their rookie years already. Um, so I think to have him do that right now is is a really good thing for the Jets. Very excited to see Zaire Barnes. I'm going to keep watching him in the preseason because I think he's going to get extended time through the last two games just to see if he really does earn and deserve a starting spot on this defense, which when you look around the defense, if you're Zaire Barnes looking around the people standing on the field around you, you better be ready to play because you're surrounded by dogs and ballers, and <laughs> you're very lucky to be playing linebacker in that defense where every single person around you is doing their job at a very high level. So we'll see what we get from Zaire Barnes. Kind of an X factor for this team along with Tony Adams to me. So that's who's trending up offense, defense. I also want to note that Greg Zerline is absolutely crushing it. That guy is ready for the season to start right now. I think he's 5-for-5 five five on field goals, made all his extra points, he looks locked and loaded, and it's such a blessing to have a nice kicker at this time in the year. So that is who's trending up on offense and defense. Now, before we go to who's trending down, we do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right, folks. This is what's on tap. And I got something special today. I got something from my favorite brewery brought to me by roommate Kyle. It's Bissell Brothers, and it's Lucent, a Hell's Lager. Made from 100% Maine grown grain. I don't really know what a Hell's Lager is specifically, but it's a 16-ounce can, 4.9% alcohol, and Bissell Brothers, they can't miss. It's not an IPA like Swish or Substance, which I have in the fridge right now as well. It's a, a lager, but for a 5% lager to be smooth and, and kind of crispy the way this one is, that's what I like. It's kind of got a pilsnery taste to it as well. Um, maybe that's kind of what the hell's is, but this is made up in Maine. It's Bissell Brothers. It's as good as it gets. And to be drinking another beer that I'd never had from them before, 
kind of gift from uh, roommate Kyle coming back from vacation. It was awesome. I just got back uh, like five days ago or a week ago from a trip to Ireland. I was there for a week, and in Dublin, the beer's pretty good, but when you go to like the old country, Northern Ireland and and the northern part of regular Ireland, the beer is like, it's all made by Open Gate Brewing, which is who makes Guinness, so it's like Harp and Guinness and Rockshore and other versions of Guinness and other versions of Harp. Then they have like Smittix, Carlsberg, and that's basically it at every single bar, and they're all under 5% alcohol, and nothing has any flavor. They all taste the exact freaking same, and it got really frustrating after seven days just not being able to find a really good beer. So to come home to this, Bissell Brothers Lucent, it's awesome. That is this week's What's on Tap. Now before we go to the next two segments, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Live. We just talked about who's trending up on offense and defense. Now we got to talk about who's trending down right now to me. Starting on the offense, starting with Billy Turner. Billy Turner was brought in because, like, there were a lot of question marks around Dwayne Brown, question marks around Mekhi Becton, question marks around Max Mitchell and rookie Carter Warren. Yadne Kajust had been injured. Like, who the hell is going to play offensive tackle for the Jets? They bring in Billy Turner, who had been with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay before one year with Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Billy Turner has sucked. He does not deserve to play left tackle. He doesn't deserve to play right tackle. Sounds like he doesn't deserve to be on the field at all. But he may be out there for lack of a better option. This guy's better get... He better get something going. He was kind of saying he wanted to play left tackle. I think that's the least important position for us to have him taking reps at right now. If Makai Becton has to play left tackle and Dwayne Brown can only play left tackle, somebody's got to play right tackle. I don't want to see Billy Turner take another snap at left tackle at this point in time. We need to get this offensive line set. Come on, Billy. Get it going. Get this offensive line humming. He's a veteran. He's had some good seasons playing with Aaron Rodgers. We just haven't seen any of it yet. Then another guy trending down. I'm going to say Mekhi Becton right now because you can say that Mekhi Becton is in a way trending up because it seems like, you know, he went from playing seven snaps in the first game to 27 snaps in the second game. Then he's taking some extra reps in practice today. So he's, yes, improving his workload. But with everything we saw in the offseason and the fact that this guy hasn't really played football in like two full years and we thought he was coming in 100% healthy and now we're happy that he's playing seven snaps, and it's like, well, at least he's out there playing. It's like he's a backup right now who doesn't want to play right tackle, which is kind of what we need. He wants to play left tackle. He's probably not going to be under contract with the Jets again after this year. We didn't pick up his option. So he's sitting here, barely able to play, at a position that we don't really need him to play right now. Not at that high of a level. He's playing okay. I think he looked all right in the preseason so far. Made a couple mistakes here and there. But, like, we need him in year, I think it's year four now, we need him freaking rolling. We need him getting it done. I mean, for crying out loud, he just hasn't played in like two years, and we're talking about playing seven snaps in a preseason game and then having to come out? Like, what is going on? I don't think he's ever going to be healthy again. I can't imagine him, if this is where he's at right now, after all that time off and all that conditioning he's done, how could he possibly make it through 17 games? How can we rely on him for anything? I'm still hoping for it, but to me... It's just it's just not great right now as this team's trying to figure out its offensive tackle situation. And we're trying to figure out if we have to put Elijah Vera Tucker, who's an all-pro guard, back at tackle because all the tackles we have can't do it. 
Another guy trending down. I would say backup running back is trending down, not because they're not playing well necessarily, but between Bam and Michael Carter, it's a, you know, a little bit of a red flag having Dalvin Cook come in because the Jets obviously needed to have somebody cover that gap when Brees Hall's coming back from injury. And when you look at Michael Carter, Bam, one of them probably isn't going to make the roster now. I guess technically it's possible two of them don't. You know, you're going to do Brees Hall. You're going to do Dalvin Cook. It feels like Izzy has to be there because he's a rookie. And then if you want to carry a fourth running back, which not all teams do, I think it's Michael Carter. Bam, probably on the way out. But it wouldn't shock me too, too much if they chose Bam and moved on from Michael Carter, even though that's not what I want to see. A lot of it being Michael Carter's personality, the rookie year he had, you know, that we drafted him and stuff like that. But, you know, you have to take your best four. This is a very important season. So tough spot there for those backup running backs. And then the last trending down position I have for offense is that wide receiver six competition. Because I think at first I was kind of interested to see Jason Brownlee, maybe a Xavier Gibson, Malik Taylor. And those guys have had decent training camps so far in practice. But watching the preseason games, just seeing Brownlee and Malik Taylor and everybody have extended time, Xavier Gibson, none of them stand out to me. When you talk about playing with Aaron Rodgers and the weapons that we have on offense, the fact that we could literally roll out two, three tight ends and feel good about that. We could roll out two running backs, feel good about that. The need to carry a sixth wide receiver to me, if they're not exploding off the page offensively or great special teams players, it just doesn't feel that important. So I would rather the Jets just carry five wide receivers right now. Those guys haven't proven enough to me as gunners, as return men, as anything. I'd rather have Miko Hardman return punts, carry five wide receivers, you know, cut those three guys, Malik Taylor, Xavier Gibson, and Jason Brownlee. And then, you know, if a couple of them clear waivers, get them onto the practice squad. My two favorites right now being Malik Taylor and Jason Brownlee. Try to get them on that practice squad if you can. But if you can't, not the end of the world. I just don't think it's that important of a position for the Jets at this point in time. Then you want to talk about who's trending down on defense. I mentioned Jamie and Sherwood. I think that Zaire Barnes has already impressed me more than Sherwood has ever impressed me in his entire career. Um, I don't feel great about him playing that position. They also brought in those two linebackers I mentioned at the top of the podcast, Nick Vigil and Sam Aguabuin. I don't really know Sam Aguabuin. Nick Vigil has been in the league for a long time. I know him. But bringing in extra guys to play those positions and stuff potentially makes you think, like, is Jamie and Sherwood going to last? They seem to love Chaz Surratt. Claude and Shirelia seems to be a decent player making some plays here and there. I don't know. I think that I'm thinking that Jamie and Sherwood is uh, talked a little too highly about right now. Then trending down on defense, what about Brandon Eccles? He's suspended game one, and he's just been so weird in this preseason. I know he's, like, pissed off about the suspension, and there's all these guys that are playing great on the defensive unit, but, like, he seems to be so hot-headed and emotional on the field right now. Like, any ball that's just quarterbacks throwing it out of bounds – and he's just, like, bragging out on the field, even though he wasn't really covering his guy well. Like, just was a really bad throw by Bryce Young, and he's like, yeah, let's go. It's just, like, he needs to calm down. He's not consistent enough to brag, and he's the most braggadocious player on the defense that we have right now. And I don't need to see it from Brandon Eccles, a guy who's already suspended for the first game of the season and has been inconsistent in the past. This guy's got to get his stuff together. I don't want to be watching. I'm trying to think of... uh like, you know, Dexter McDougal or like a Kyle Wilson or something that's just like 
talking about these great plays that they made, like bragging like they did something special. And it's like, dude, you are horrible, and you didn't even know what was happening. You were lucky that wasn't caught. I think Eccles got a little bit more upside than them, but I just need to see him calm down. And then trending down on defense, Jarek Bernard Converse, just because the guy still hasn't played yet, and he was somebody that I was pretty high on with this team, playing either like cornerback, nickelback, or safety. It's kind of like a flexible defensive back out of LSU. And I had really high expectations for him when the Jets drafted him, but he hasn't been able to play yet. And at this point in time, with how far behind he is, there's really no shot for him being a meaningful player on this Jets roster for at least a couple of months, I don't think. So it's very possible that he's just going to be put on IR. Let's like get him next year when he's ready to go or physically unable to perform list or something like that. Um, just to like not use up a roster spot on a guy who's not able to play on the field. They may do one of those, you know, convenient tags that just gets a guy off of the active roster to make room for another guy. Even if he's like a little healthy, they're just like, oh, he's got a shoulder. We're going to just keep him out for a while. So, you know, obviously I wanted to see him play more. Haven't seen it yet. So he's not going to be in the mix too, too much on defense this year, if at all. Then the last order of business I wanted to just touch on really quick is a projected 53-man roster that I have as of today, middle of August, two preseason games in. A couple things that I think are interesting looking at the 53-man roster. I've got the Jets carrying two quarterbacks. I think there's no reason to bring Tim Boyle because if you cut him, I don't think another team is going to pick him up. I think there's enough better quarterbacks in the league. I don't think Tim Boyle is here because he's the best quarterback we could have gotten. I think he's here because he's Aaron Rodgers' friend and knows the Nathaniel Hackett system. And for those reasons, I don't think he'll be picked up. I think that we can stash him on the practice squad after waiver claims. Then I see Bam Knight, odd man out in the new room with the running backs. I see us carrying just five wide receivers, not bringing one of those young guys. But at tight end, I actually have us taken four because I don't think you can cut Zach Koontz. And unless you're going to put somebody on IR or try to make space that way, Tyler Conklin, C.J. Uzoma, Jeremy Rucker, Zach Koontz, you probably have to carry all four of them. Kind of a lot for tight ends, but when you have the talent there, what else can you do? You're already cutting you know, Kenny Yaboa, who's going to be picked up by another team, I'm sure. Offensive line, 10 guys there. Dwayne Brown has to come back off that list. You know, you got your starters, Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern, ABT, then either Mekhi Becton or Billy Turner. Sounds like Becton can't play right tackle anymore. I don't know. Um, but then Joe Tittman, Max Mitchell, Wes Schweitzer is like our kind of Dan Feeney of the season. They can play center or guard at a not that well level. And then rookie Carter Warren, who is a project, but hopefully one day can become a decent backup tackle for the Jets. That's kind of what I have for offense. Pretty pretty basic. Just a couple guys that like aren't making it is those receivers. I don't have Tristan Colon in the mix, even though he's been all right. I don't have Adam Pankey in the mix. He's kind of impressed me in preseason a little bit. No fullback Nick Bauden, even though I'm kind of bought in on Bauden. And Nathaniel Hackett loves to have the fullback, and he's blocked pretty well, and the players speak highly of him. It's hard to imagine them carrying five backs. And if you have Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Izzy Avanaconda, and then Bauden, that's already four. And then you have still Michael Carter and Bam Knight that you have to make decisions on. I think it would be tough for... Nick Bauden to make the roster. So that's what I have for offense. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, defensive line, obviously that rotation is nutso. Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson, Will McDonald, Michael Clemens, and Bryce Huff. What? 
no matter who you throw out there, you feel good. Then you got in the middle, Quinn and Williams, Al Woods, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas. I think all those guys kind of have to be there. Linebacker's interesting. C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams, for sure. Zaire Barnes, absolutely. Then I have them keeping Jamie and Sherwood because they seem to like him a little bit, and he does know the defense. And then a player that has played well in preseason and training camp and Robert Sala seems to love is Chaz Surratt. And he's kind of one of my last men on this 53. I would have to see how he's playing in special teams. I think that his biggest value for this team is going to be on, you know, kickoff coverage, punt coverage, and I need to know kind of how that's going for him. If he's doing really well on special teams, I think he has a spot on this roster. If he's not really a special teams player, he probably doesn't make it. But they seem to love Chaz Surratt. He did pop a little bit in preseason. He was a player I knew coming out in college that I thought maybe the Jets could draft. They didn't. He got let go by his former team, fend his way into our roster, so I think he's still a worthwhile project. But we'll see if he's that guy that can make the roster. Cornerback, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Michael Carter, obviously. Bryce Hall, I think he still makes it. I don't trust him, but I think that he's put enough good time in. He's been up and down, but he's young, cheap, and I just think they keep him. Brandon Eccles is on, uh, he's suspended, so he doesn't count for the active 53-man roster. So I had them carrying a fifth cornerback in Jimmy Moreland, who's impressed me so far, and if he keeps playing this way, he might even jump like a Bryce Hall in the pecking order for, you know, first guy off the bench at that outside cornerback position. I'd like to see him there, because I don't really trust Bryce Hall or Brandon Eccles, and what are the chances you're going to get 34 games from Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed again? It's a little sketchy. You want to make sure you have at least one really good, competent backup. Hoping that's Jimmy Moreland. Safety, you got to keep Jordan Whitehead, Adrian Amos, and Tony Adams. And then if Derek Bernard Converse isn't given some sort of injury exemption from the roster, I think they're going to have to keep him too because they drafted him. So then that just leaves, um, leaves a couple guys on defense not making the team. Tanzel Smart who's been good every single preseason, but just never really makes the roster. It's going to be the same thing this year. Deslin Alexander out of Pitt. I like him on the defensive line. I think we can cut him and hopefully get him onto the practice squad. I have us cutting Claude and Shirelius, Nick Vigil. I have him cutting all those linebackers. I don't have us keeping Javelin Guidry because I think that Brandon Eccles can potentially play inside slot. And unless Javelin Guidry is going to be the gunner and a really good special teamer, I just don't know. This team has already cut him once, and then he got picked up, claimed, never made it to our practice squad. I don't know if he's going to make the roster this year. He's an interesting one, though. James Craig, another cornerback. I think that he's a decent player, having an okay camp, but I have him behind Jimmy Moreland, who's not even guaranteed to make the roster. And then probably the most notable player not to make it is Ashton Davis. I didn't know what to do. You could take out like a Chad Surratt or a Jimmy Moreland or find a way to put Jarek Bernard Converse onto some sort of IR, get Zach Kuntz there somehow or something, and then maybe make room for Ashton Davis, who's been getting better quietly as the years have gone on, but still hasn't taken that next step. My hopes have always, well, after I realized he couldn't really start at safety because he doesn't understand pursuit angles, my hope has always kind of just been for him to fall into that Justin Hardy role of just being like a really good special teams ace, but he hasn't really clicked at that position, and... I'm not sure if he's capable of doing that yet. I'd like to run Ashton Davis back on this 53-man roster one more time if they can find space, but he's not guaranteed to make it at this point in time. And then Trey Dean, don't have him making it either, but he was a guy I was interested coming into this 
this preseason. Special teams, Greg Zerline, Thomas Morristead, Justin Hardy, Thomas Hennessy. They're all making it. Unless the Jets find another guy that can replace Justin Hardy, it would be... It's possible, but prob- probably not. So that's kind of what I have for the Jets' projected 53 as of today. Injuries will change things. Transactions will change things. And the last two preseason games and the last couple of weeks of training camp are going to change things as well. But we're getting to the end of it, guys. We've got two more preseason games left. And then it's going straight into that regular season against the Buffalo Bills on September 11th. And then we don't look back. We just full steam ahead win as many freaking games as possible, try to win that AFC East, make the playoffs, go on a run and see what happens. We have the horses, we have the dogs, we have the players, the coaches, everything right, in my opinion, at this point in time. Offensive line is a work in progress. That's the biggest focus for this team right now. A few of those back-end depth positions of guys that may have to play meaningful minutes, you never know. You never know what position group is going to get hit hard. There's always one that gets hit, that gets hit like unfairly hard, and it's three guys from the same position group are out in the same week, and you're like, what the hell is going on right now? That seems to happen every year for every team, but we don't know which one it's going to be right now. So getting those back-end roster guys figured out, high-level guys in there is super important for us. I am as excited as I've ever been for a regular season, and I get excited every single year. Sam Darnold, I thought, was going to be the next Hall of Fame quarterback in the NFL. I thought he was going to be an all-time great New York Jet. Super excited for that season. But we didn't have the roster around it. That was always going to be kind of like an evaluate, getting through it, right? Trying to win four, five, six games, seeing what you have. Okay, learn the system. Then in year two, it was like this this longer process. This year is like plug and play and go. And we've done that in the past. The 2009-2010 Rex Ryan teams, right? The Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker team of 2015. We have done some of that. But this year is different because there's such a heavy weight on internal Jets guys that are still young on rookie contracts, homegrown dudes. And then, by far the greatest quarterback we've ever had suit up for us, aside from Joe Namath. And Joe Namath is the only quarterback to ever throw 4,000 yards for the Jets in a season, and he did it 50 years ago in 14 games. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to, he's probably going to blow all those passing records out of the window. He's going to take them all over. I mean, it's going to be, an awesome season if everything goes even like 75% according to plan. It's going to be the most fun season we've had in a long time. And the Jets haven't made the playoffs in 12 years, and it's time to end that streak. It's time to get back in there, make the tournament, see what happens, have some fun, get Aaron Rodgers to come back for one more year, get more veterans to come to this team. Because for the first time in a long time, it feels like this is the place to be. Hard Knocks is making us look great. Everybody, all my friends that aren't Jets fans, they're like texting me like, holy shoot, I'm becoming a Jets fan just seeing this team and seeing what these personalities are like and your coaches and stuff. Like, how could you not root for them? Like, yeah, absolutely. Joe Douglas is building the best culture in sports. Solid trying to get only guys that love and are passionate about football. Aaron Rodgers is like the coolest guy in the world. It's a, it's a lot right now. It feels like a dream. Take it as much content as you can. Watch the hard knocks, watch the one Jets drive, get it while it's good because we know how this thing goes. One team makes it at the end. No matter what happens, if we don't win the Super Bowl, we're going to be a little disappointed, always longing for more. Ask the Buffalo Bills how good they feel about making the Super Bowl four times in a row or being in the AFC Championship games in recent years with Josh Allen. Ask them how great that feels when it's all said and done. 
They're really looking for that big game, that big win. And it's possible this team can do it. They have to start strong, weather the storm, finish hard, and then hope some good things go their way in the playoffs. I'm looking forward to it. As always, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. The podcast is under the Fans First Sports Network, so look for it there. And that's all I got for you guys. I'm going to do one more podcast following the last two preseason games that's going to probably be either right before or right after the 53-man roster is released. I'm going to talk about the official 53-man roster and then do a little bit of a preview against the Buffalo Bills for Week 1. And then we're just getting into it. Weekly episodes on Tuesdays following the game that we just played, recapping, and then reviewing the upcoming game. I hope you all have a good time, and I hope that you're all enjoying this point in time the way I right now as much as I am, because I'm on cloud nine. Can't wait to see it on the field for real. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 